Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. We are in this series uh, that we're just very simply calling Body and Blood. Body and Blood. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at uh, not just the topic of communion as in the sacrament, what we do as we gather from time to time, um, but we're also looking at uh, what a lifestyle of communing with Jesus actually looks like. So it's this kind of multifaceted approach. And we will talk about communion, the sacrament in the weeks to come. But right now we're really focusing on and honing in on communion as, as a lifestyle. What does it look like to be uh, people who are walking around in union with Christ? Because the New Testament describes our relationship with God in many different ways. But one of the most uh, popular ways it's described as a life where we are immersed into Christ. As in like this marriage where we're so in tune with who he is and what he's doing that he's sort of rearranging the pieces of our hearts that we would desire more of him. And so that we would just continue to walk in this daily awareness, awareness of his presence made available to us. And so uh, this week, we sat down with the leadership team meeting. We sit down on uh, Thursdays. We sit down on Thursdays to plan out the service, make sure we have all of our ducks in a row, make sure everything's going to work. It all goes together. And in that, I, I usually share a little bit about what the sermon's going to look like in the upcoming weekend. And I was like, guys, I, I don't know what the sermon's going to look like this weekend. I, I know that it's going to be on prayer, but I kind of have three different sermons. I feel like we could go down here and just sort of opened it up to them and just like, what do you guys think? And what we decided is not that we're pivoting because we're not pivoting away from communion, but we're going to really hone in on this practice of prayer for the next few weeks. We're going to really just take a look at prayer and what prayer actually is because uh, the, the apex like reality of a life where you're communing with Jesus is going to be prayer. It's a reality of prayer. It's a person who does pray. Like that, I, I just, I don't think we could simplify it or reduce it down any more than that. Like somebody who is walking in a relationship with Christ is somebody who's also talking with him. Uh, Wayne Grudem has a very popular systematic theology. And in that, when you look up the section on prayer, which is like a whole bunch of pages long, it just starts like this. Prayer is communicating with God. Simple as that. Prayer is communicating with God. The only problem with the simplicity of that statement is uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's a stance to take that when we live in today's world to say, I believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, isn't it? Like that, that's a bold claim that I believe in God who opened his mouth and the whole world fell out and he's still sustaining everything by every, like the power of his word is still just sustaining the universe that we're living in. And he's given me this Bible, like this is his very word given to me so that I can live a path of, uh, live a path of life. Like that's a bold claim. That's a bold claim and that's gonna, it's gonna create some kind of jarring things in some of the relationships that you maybe have in this world right now. Amen? Like you don't need me to remind you of this. You feel this already. How many of you know though, it's a whole, it's a whole nother claim to say that, yeah, I, I believe in God as Lord and Savior, but I also believe he speaks to me. I, like that's, that, that makes you sound like a whole nother category of crazy, doesn't it? It's not just that I believe that God's up there, but I, I believe he talks to me. And I'm here to say today, I believe he talks to me. I believe he talks to you. I believe he wants a relationship where you speak with him. And so here's kind of the point of the message today. Um, you can pray. You can pray. You can pray. How amazing is that? It's amazing, isn't it? I, I just, I want this message to be so 
insanely simple and practical that everyone walks out of here today going, man, I, I don't pray enough and I can pray more. That, that, is, that is the prayer of my heart. I, I have been so stirred. We as a church, if you don't know, um, we are doing this 21-day fast where everyone is kind of seeking the Lord and kind of deciding what's going to be most, uh, most ideal for their relationship with God. But we're just saying, hey, this 21 days, I'm just set apart, God, for whatever you want for my life. And, and my hope and our aim collectively as a church is that we just deepen our faith a little bit over this, this 21-day journey. And we're seven days in. How many of y'all, you're a little hungrier this morning than you were last Sunday? Anybody? Okay, just... Not, not, not many of us. Like, let's, let's, I, I, I've been so uh, encouraged just talking to different people about the different things you're going without, the different things you're giving up, and how you're kind of reallocating that time to spend more time with Jesus. And I just think it's an amazing thing. And this, this first, the first week is a tough one, right? Like, I, I talked to somebody, a gal on our team was like, man, we, uh, we said no screens in our house for our kids. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I think 21 days without food would be easier, you know? <laughs> Like you just like 21 days, no screens. Like you just went for it, you know? And anyways, I, I just been so encouraged that like people are saying, no, it's, man, it, it's, it's a good time for me to reevaluate and for me to say, okay, I'm taking a step deeper in my walk with the Lord. And so I hope even if you're just now jumping in, you didn't know we were doing that. Uh, the invitation is still for you. You can join us. You can do it with us. And uh, we have 14 days left and then we're going to break the fast. And it's going to be, it's going to be great. But Matthew chapter six is where we're going to look at prayer this morning. So if you have your Bible, would you grab it? We're going to read uh, the preamble to the Lord's Prayer. The preamble to the Lord's Prayer. And again, my hope that you'll see today is that uh, you can walk out of here feeling confident that you can pray. You can pray. Um, and we'll talk about what prayer can look like. And, uh, and we'll talk about some just common hindrances or blocks to prayer that happen in our life. Um, so Matthew chapter 6 uh, starts, Jesus opens it like this. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I heard a quote this last week and I've heard it several different times. I don't know who to really credit with it, but it says, uh, don't let your, your um, public display of affection for God um, outweigh your private devotion to God. You just think about that. Like, don't, don't let your public display of affection for God, don't, don't be so excited about Jesus in a moment if you're not also privately devoted to him in secret. So that, you got to hear me. Like, what I'm actually saying here is I'm not saying you can't get excited about Jesus publicly, right? Because King David lost his mind in a moment and he was dancing so heavily in one moment that he danced through his outer garments, aka so he had to strip down into his underwear, right? And, and, and what's Michael's line is like, wow, you're real proud of yourself, aren't you? And what's his response? Woman, I'll become even more undignified than this, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying we can't get excited about Jesus publicly. I'm just saying that has to match what we're doing privately. And that's what I think Jesus is echoing here, that we, we better have a relationship with God that's devoted to him in secret just as much as we show publicly. He goes on to say, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. And then he goes on to say the Lord's Prayer, which we'll look at in a couple weeks. But um, I think what that sort of capitalizes for us is that um, prayer doesn't always have to be this same rote phrase that we say every single time. Prayer doesn't have to be the same thing where we're just so repetitive and we're so in the motion and so in the habit of praying that we're detaching what's actually happening in our mind uh, and, and detaching from actually 
like praying to God rather than, so we're, we're just kind of going on autopilot rather than engaging with the heart of God when we're praying. We're actually thinking about him, engaging our mind and our heart in what we're actually praying. And, and, and what these things show us really, like, and, and so many other stories in scripture is that God, God loves when we come to him to pray to him. Like if you could break down prayer into a couple different buckets, which would maybe oversimplify it in some ways, but prayer is, is this way that we, we delight in God and he delights in us. Prayer is this space where we are, we are convicted and we are, we are reminded of things that we're to do. And so we're sanctified in this space where we pray, where we, we, we become more like Jesus. Um, we, we encounter his power when we pray to become more like him and to, and to set our minds and our, our life on the things that he's called us to do. But the third thing that prayer also does is it, is it has a way of making sure that we are participating as God's creatures, we're participating in what he's doing in his creation. So when I'm praying, I'm not just, I'm not just seeking to pray to hopefully fill myself up as just this, this big fat receptacle of God's blessing where I'm just like, man, I am awesome and God is awesome and this is awesome, <laughs> right? But I'm, I'm praying so that I might be so filled to overflow to spill God's character onto the world around me. And so that's kind of how we'll move through these next few weeks. But again, this week, what I want to focus on is that you, like you have this gear, you have this ability to pray as a Christian. I've, I've heard it described as a, as a sixth sense. And, and I think it's helpful sometimes to think about it that way, that as a Christian, we are given this extra sense so that we can be in tune with what God is doing and what he's saying and what he's speaking in the spiritual world. And we can actually line our life up based on this sixth sense. So if you kind of think about your senses, like how many of you, uh, man, it's pertinent right now. You lost your taste or smell. No shame. Like you lost your taste or smell sometime in the last year. Just raise your hand. Come on. We did it. All right. You know, as uh, my hands up to, it was about new year's last year when I opened a jar of old grease and my kids were like, Oh my gosh, dad, that smells horrible. And I was like, huh, I think I have COVID, you know, like, but it affects your life when you're missing a sense, doesn't it? Like it, affects, it, it changes things a little bit. And if you were just to take away your sense of sight, if you were just to take away your sense of hearing, like it would change the way you live. It would alter the way you live. So prayer alters your life when you're actually using it, when you're actually walking in it. I, I think that we can sometimes reduce prayer down to this thing that we do by ourselves. But, but the way that when you think of prayer as a sense, as a sixth sense, it's helpful for, and I'm talk, not talking sixth sense as in I see dead people, okay? Like I date myself a little bit with that reference, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us like having this ability to hear God's voice and communicate with him. But we often think of it like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in secret like Jesus just said here, and I'm gonna pray. But that doesn't really work in the real world when you're actually interacting with people. And the way that I see the disciples and even Jesus himself, when he's interacting with people on this earth, he seems to be able to, to have multiple senses going at the same time. So he's able to talk with people and engage the heart of the father. He's able to like do ministry that's in front of him, but he's also able to communicate with God and exercise his will on earth. So maybe prayer starts as a sense with us getting in a prayer closet and turning off like all of our other senses. I don't think this is a bad thing, by the way. Like start it there where you get alone with God and you just say, I'm going to lay aside every other distraction. I'm going to set everything else I can. and I'm just going to focus my mind on you and I'm going to try God to hear your voice. I think that's a great place to start. But ultimately where I hope we will go as a church is a place where as we are talking with other people, we'll be able to hear God's voice and maybe redirect a conversation 
maybe serve somebody in a way that we weren't planning on serving them. We'll be able to hear God prompting us to do something that we wouldn't otherwise do. And we just get that familiar, like in John chapter 10, where, where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. That as we're engaging, like just like, like when you're smelling something, you don't have to also close your eyes so that you can smell it. Are you tracking? You get that, right? Like we don't have to shut things off in order to do other senses. So it is with prayer that we can actually be talking with people, be living in the world that we're living in and still be in tune with what God's trying to speak to us. So I read this book a while back called Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice uh, by Mark Verkler. And uh, how many of you have read it? Just show of hands. Nobody. Awesome. Okay. This will be really helpful then. Um, He's, he's a quirky dude, Mark Verkler. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, but he makes some kind of like money back guarantees in the book that I did not love. But the principles of the book were awesome. They were so awesome. Uh, the first key, he says, to hearing God's voice is understanding that the way that God primarily speaks to us is through spontaneous thoughts. So recognizing God's voice as spontaneous thoughts that lighten upon your mind is how he says it. That, that was kind of a game changer for me because I would always sit down to pray and I would be like, okay, God, I just want to clear my mind. I just want to, you know, be still and know that you are God. And I'd like blank canvas, right? I'm like right now, if you kind of close your eyes, just blank canvas. And then a thought would come into my head. I'd be like, God, I am trying to focus on you. Get out of here, random thought. You know what I mean? And I, what I've learned is God's just very gently and lovingly saying, hey, dum-dum, like I'm trying to say something to you with that random thought, you know? So, so okay, do this with me. Everyone just in your mind, don't say it out loud. Everyone in your mind, just say your favorite color. Oh, see, a couple of people said it out loud. I, I didn't happen first service, but I, like I was kind of hoping it'd just be like fuchsia, you know, like say some cool word like that. But you can hear it, right? Okay, in your mind, in your mind, just say your favorite color, one, two, three. Man, okay. Like you can hear it, right? Like you're not hearing it with your ears, but you can hear, you can hear something in your head. In the same way, like if you close your eyes and you, you just picture yourself sitting in your living room right now. Go ahead and close your eyes right now. Nobody's going to steal anything out of your purse or just like pretend you're sitting in your living room or in your favorite room or whatever. And you're just, you can see like, right. I, like, I can see right now, two blue chairs sitting in front of me, the black shelf that's up on our wall. Like I, I can see the carpet. I can see the, I can see the floor. I can see the end table in front of us. That like, when people say like, I feel like I got a picture from the Lord, like they're not necessarily making up this grandiose, crazy thing that we can't fathom. It's, it's like picturing something in your mind's eye. So, so Verkler says, one of the keys to hearing God's voice is first understanding that he speaks to us through spontaneous thoughts that enter our mind. The second key is, is quieting your mind, quieting your heart so that you can, so that you can hear from him gosh, we're just, we're so distracted in the world that we're living in. We are being flooded with information all the time. Um, and it just like, it's not going to get better. Like, I think I heard a stat recently that in the last couple years, this was put out by Google, the last, the last couple years, there's been more content created and put online than ever before in human history. Or it's like the wheel of like information that is just being delivered to us is just speeding up. And our action on that information, like we just, we can't keep up. We can't keep up. And so we're so busy that I think that's why part of fasting positions you perfectly to hear from God because you're setting aside other things that otherwise keep you really busy. Even just like knowing I'm not preparing lunch today. Like it's crazy how much that just frees up my brain to just go, okay, God, I have more time to pray, right? 
So the second key he says is finding a spot where you can quiet yourself, where you can quiet your mind, you can quiet just your schedule, what's going on, and you can just kind of set your focus on him. The third thing he says that we have to get good at is we have to get good at trying to actually see, wanting to actually see pictures and visions and words that he might want to give us. Maybe he wants to give you a scripture. Maybe he wants to give you a picture of something. Um, That's a good time to insert. Like that means that it's imperative that we also know our Bible. So in the same time that like there's more information coming out than ever before, uh, the Bible is also more readily available to us than ever before. And yet pretty much every statistic that you want to look up on Americans and their ability to know the Bible, uh, we know our Bible less than maybe ever before. So how are we going to know what's from God, what pictures, what, what scriptures from God, if we're not spending any time with his scripture ourselves, right? So he says the third key is actually seeking these things. And remember, like picturing these things, sometimes God can give you a picture and it just looks like you're picturing something in your mind's eye. The fourth thing he says is, uh, is practice two-way journaling. Now, I'm not much of a journaler, but this, is, this has been a helpful thing for me to keep a journal, keep a log where I continually, continually like, write things down and can reference them. So like practically, practically speaking, these four keys, like this is how it looks for me most days. So I'm just, I'm going to sit down because sometimes I'm sitting, sometimes I'm pacing around. But what I'll do is uh, even this week, I found myself just even in this room uh, most days this week, this last week, and I'll just sit down for a moment or I'll be pacing around and I will maybe close my eyes, but there's nothing actually in the Bible that says you have to close your eyes, right? Um, And so I'll just quiet my heart and I'll just start to pray. God, what do you want from me? What do you have for me today, God? I have no idea what I'm preaching on next weekend. Would you, would you give me a little help here, please? <laughs> God, there's this thing going on. Um, I, I pray for my friends. I pray for the things like I pray for the prayer requests that come into my life. So, okay, I have these friends that I know uh, really want a baby. God, would you give them a baby? God, I know these, these other friends I have, my, their marriage, they're just going through it right now. And so, God, I just lift them up. I'm, I am contending for this person uh, to, to remain close to you, to not walk away from you, God right? This person I know, like, I I just want them to know you. I want them to come back into relationship with you. I want them to have a relationship with you. And I just start praying. I pray through my prayer requests. I spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes just sitting there doing that. Like you can do that pretty quickly. Do you know what I mean? You ever sat down and just prayed through like whatever prayer requests you have? It can go pretty quick. And so then what I pivot to at some point is I just go, okay, God, is there anything that you want to speak to me? I'll just be quiet. I'll just try and listen. And what almost always happens right away is this thought will pop into my head like, hey, you never scheduled coffee with that guy you're going to schedule coffee with. And I, and I go, is that from the Lord or is that just from my analytical brain? I mean, okay, honestly, it's probably just from my analytical brain that has a lot to do on my mind. And I got a lot of things that I'm thinking of. So that's why I almost always try and sit down with something to write on. And so when that thought pops into my head, I write it down. And I don't like, I don't go like, oh, my whole quiet time is just derailed now. Like I'm a failure. Like I just go, no, okay, thank you, Lord. Um, uh, and then I, I set it aside. I'll remember to do it later. And I go back in. God, is there anything that you want to show me today? Is there anything that you want to reveal to me? Is there any way that's off in me right now? Is there anyone that you want me to talk with? And sometimes nothing happens. If I can be that honest. Like sometimes I, I sit there and, and it's just quiet for 10, 15 minutes. And it's not a loss at all, you know? Sometimes I sit there and, and I think of a friend and I, I know I'm supposed to call him and I call him. And just what, to do what? I don't know. Just to, just to see how they're doing, just to check in. Hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? Like, I feel like God just put you on my heart. Can I pray for you? Can I, you want to talk about anything? 
Like I'll call people. Sometimes, sometimes people will come to mind and I know that I need to do something for them. Like I need to serve them. I, I, this week, one of someone in our small group had somebody come to, came to mind. They just had a baby. He didn't even know. Like he didn't even know they had a baby, but, but she came to mind, this person they went to high school with, and they reached out. And all of a sudden we had a bunch of meals set up to go to this lady's house that would have otherwise not gotten them. Like, it, you guys, prayer is insanely practical. It's insanely practical. Like it just has a way of God bending down, whispering something into your ear so that you can meet a felt need with somebody who's right next to you that you wouldn't have otherwise known to help with, to, to be reminded of his character in a moment where you're questioning him. Like there's just so many little nuts and bolts, practical things. Sometimes I think we just overcomplicate it. We think that we have to sit in this seat just like that. We have to fold our hands just like so. And we have to say these phrases just like that. And we'll somehow unlock this Rubik's cube up into heaven. When we forget that God delights to meet with his people. God loves to sit with you. If you think about just even the first few words of the Lord's prayer, our father, like who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you see the two like cataclysmic or just like these two gigantic realities that are colliding in those first little phrases? My dad, who is completely set apart and in heaven, and there's a million angels worshiping him right now. Like that's an awesome thing. And we get to step into that moment and go like, dad, is there anything that you want to speak to me right now? Is there anything you want to say? That is the invitation that's in front of all of us. So what we're going to do is I'm going to explain a couple blocks that we have in our prayer life. And we're going to walk through these because I think some of you have done that prayer. You've done that practice and you've sat there and it's just been crickets. And you feel like your words are only going as high up as the ceiling is that day. They're not getting anywhere past that, which in this room, that's pretty good. I was like, the ceiling's way up there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Never mind. Stay on track. But I think there's a couple things that block us that are just really practical that we can, we can clear out of the way so that we might, we might kind of clear the interference so that we might hear God's voice a little better. And then we'll, what we'll do is we'll take communion. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to have you guys practice what I just did. And, and maybe nothing will happen. Oh, well, God will still be glorified. But maybe God's going to speak something to you in this moment. And that would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? If the God, the maker of heavens and earth, thought it was worth his time to say something to you, like that's a privilege. So um, the few things that kind of get in our, the way in our prayer life, they all start with un. So that's cool. Um, the first one is if we're unrepentant. If we're unrepentant. Now I'm not talking about like you, ha- you accidentally sinned or you did something and you, you gave yourself over in a moment and, and so God's never going to talk to you again. <laughs> I think some people have that picture of God and he's just like, he's just a way more kind and gracious, loving father than that. Like when my kids make mistakes, I'm not like, you idiots. You know what I mean? And yet sometimes I think we're reluctant to pray because we have that approach to God. Maybe it's because your dad talked to you that way. And if that's the case, like, I'm sorry, but that's not who our God is. He's, cry- he's kind and gracious and long-suffering. He desires to be with you. He desires to speak with you. And so what I'm talking about when I say unrepentance is I say, you have a pocket of, I'm meaning, like you have a pocket in your heart a space in your life where you actually kind of love this behavior more than you love the idea of being with God. And you're just unwilling to give this thing up. And what it's costing you is it's costing you a relationship where he actually meets with you and speaks with you. Psalm 66, 18 says this, if I had cherished iniquity, so you would maybe never describe your kind of sin or that problem that you have in your life. You'd maybe never describe it as like you're cherishing that iniquity. But let's, let's be honest. Like you love that thing more than you're loving God. 
Whatever it is, that thing you're looking at, that thing you keep trying, that thing you keep ingesting, that thing you keep doing, like you're, you're loving that side of your flesh more than you are loving God. And if you're going to cherish iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not have listened is what David writes. James 4.3 says it this way, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. <laughs> this is the classic, like, God, would you just help me win the lotto and I'll be so generous with it. And God's like, dude, your character can even barely handle your bank account right now. Like, I'm not going to let you win the lotto. Are you serious? You know, but like how, how, how many of you know that sometimes our prayers can just be so self-oriented and so selfish. God, would you just give me this? God, if you would just do this for me, if you could just give me this breakthrough at work, if you could just give me this in this relationship. And like, like Jesus loves you, but he will not be made anybody's errand boy. Like he's not just going to run around and do all these little things for you. It's about his kingdom coming to earth. Now, oftentimes if we pursue his kingdom, there's a lot of good gifts that come for us in that. But that doesn't mean that we can just turn him into a genie where we say a prayer and, and rub a lamp in a certain way and he gives us what we want. He's not a spiritual slot machine, right? 1 Peter 3, 7 says this to the husbands in the room. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. If you have this unrepentant attitude towards your wife, or you maybe speak the love language of sarcasm, or you're constantly belittling, constantly putting down, and you're forgetting the fact that your wife is a fellow co-heir of the grace of God with you, it, Peter says that's going to hinder your prayer life. I, I just, I can't, I saw my father-in-law, Jim Parker, like he, especially in high school, like he was an intimidating dude. You know what I mean? Like I just was, I was afraid of him for sure. Like he, just, he was shorter than me for sure. But I, like I heard stories that he could bench, bench like 315 or something like that. And I just was like, dang, I just don't want to get beat up by that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so you picture if I was going to be mistreating Katie, if I was going to be constantly belittling her, neglecting to see that God has a vision, God has a purpose, God has a plan for her life. If I just neglect that, how's he going to feel towards me? Now, again, the invitation there, that's not to, sheep on, to heap on shame or con condemnation, but it's to invite you to repent, to see that your wife, God, God has a plan, God has a purpose, God has a calling, God has giftedness that he's placed on your spouse. And your role, husbands, our role is to cultivate that and to help see that they would come into all that God has for them. Amen. The second thing that we see that will clog up our prayer life quickly is unforgiveness. So unrepentance and unforgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you, forgive you your trespasses. So the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18 shows us a little insight to what's happening when we have unforgiveness in our heart. The parable of the unforgiving servant is this king who has forgiven a servant a debt that he could not pay. And the king forgives all of it. And that king is the, is the Christ figure in the story. Jesus has forgiven you of all the sins that you've ever done or will do. If you come to him in faith, your, your debt is paid. Like you stand before him righteous. And if you are then unwilling to go out and forgive somebody who's done an offense to you, this is the story where the person then receives that forgiveness, that ser servant receives forgiveness. They go out and they're unwilling to forgive the other person who has done something to them. It shows and it reveals to our hearts that we maybe just haven't received forgiveness from God for ourselves. And so we're unwilling to then extend it to somebody else. 
So I don't think unforgiveness is this thing that if you just like, you know, forget to forgive somebody about something, then God's never going to hear your prayer. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but if you are unable to forgive somebody, it's probably because you haven't received forgiveness fully yourself. The other thing that we see that will clog up our prayer life is, um, is if we just have this general unwillingness to do the things that God has asked us to do. So James 4, 17 says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. For him, it's sin. Some of you, I think you probably are earnestly coming before the Lord, trying to hear his voice, but you're just, you're not willing to do the last thing that he asked you to do. And it's, it's hindering your ability to hear his voice. Um, this is a passage in Isaiah and a friend showed it to me this couple weeks ago, reminded me of it a couple weeks ago. And it shows us that there, there's a right way to fast and there's a wrong way to fast. And there, it's an important thing for us to consider right now is we're all sort of endeavoring to have more Jesus in our life and we're maybe putting off some of other things. Um, but he says here that there's, there's a way that you can fast that kind of just drums up religious activity in your life and neglects the, the, the work, the kingdom work that God is trying to do through us. So in Isaiah 58, it says this, starting in verse one. It says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, this is why. You seek your pleasure and you oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself. It is to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Again, like all this religious activity and God is saying, do you think this is what I'm after? Just you like doing these certain things so that you would look a certain way and feel good about yourself? But he says, no, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and he'll make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. How awesome is that? It's so, it's this beautiful picture that like God is not just after you drumming up all this religious activity. He wants us to participate in him bringing his kingdom in this world to take care of the least of these. You know what I'm saying? And so don't just continually come before God asking for him to provide the spiritual breakthrough when he has, and you know he has been, asking you to do this thing, to serve this person in this kind of way, to go and get involved in this problem that you see. 
Because God's like, that, that's what I'm after. So there's a few things, unrepentance, unforgiveness, and unwillingness. And the last one that I want to encourage people in is, is to remain unrelenting if you feel like God's not listening to you. To just be unrelenting. Just keep, keep going. Keep pressing in. I, I just got to imagine in a room like this, there's some people here who have, who have tried this. They've tried these things. They've, they've sought heaven. They've, they've, they've maybe gotten some answers and it just didn't pan out the way they thought it was going to pan out. Or, or they just tried and tried and tried and God spoke nothing to them. And my encouragement to you is, please, with everything in you, just keep asking. Just keep asking. Just keep seeking. Just keep knocking. Psalm 13.1, David writes this. David had some pretty dark days, amen? Some pretty dark days. And he's honest in those moments. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me for forever? How long will you hide your face from me? See, I think there are times when God doesn't answer and you can let little seeds of doubt creep into your heart. And I don't think seeds of doubt are necessarily a bad thing. It just depends on what you do with that doubt. Like, are you watering or are you giving all the attention to the doubt or are you taking that doubt or are you turning it into prayer? Because if you take that doubt and you bring it before the Lord and you say, God, I'm really struggling to see how you are good right now. God, I'm really struggling to see where you're at right now. God, I'm really struggling to believe that you are even listening right now. See, but that is no longer an exercise in doubt. That's an exercise in faith. Say, God, I'm coming before you and I'm not gonna quit going. I'm not gonna quit going to try and get in touch with you. I love this story out of Genesis, Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestles with God. Pretty crazy moment for sure. He's up all night wrestling with God. He's afraid Esau is gonna come and destroy him. He sees this guy approaching him and he just starts, he starts getting down and wrestling with him. And he realizes after a while, this is, this is no ordinary man that I'm wrestling. This is God himself. And he's wrestling with him and he's asking for God to bless him. And it says in Genesis 32, 26, that God said, let me go for the day has broken. The sun's coming up. It's time to let me go. And I just love Jacob's grit here to say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Like, can we just have that kind of grit as a people that even in the dark days when we're saying, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me, God. I'm not gonna quit showing up. I'm not gonna quit praying until you show up to speak to me. It's there. Like, I just, I hope we can have that resolve as a people, as a church. And so we're gonna come and we, we have seven, 10 minutes left in this service. And I want you to come and I want you to grab communion and sit back down in your seat. And as you do that, I want you just to walk through the unforgiveness, unrepentance, unwillingness, and just ask the Lord, God, is there any way that's off in me? And then be reminded as you participate in communion that no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what things you've neglected, God has given up everything for a relationship with you. And you can come and you can commune. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment and we're just going to see if God will speak to us. Doesn't that sound cool? Sounds awesome? I'm excited. You don't have to be excited. I'm excited for all of us, all right? Um, So come as you can. Grab communion elements. Go ahead and have yourself a seat. And just take a moment to evaluate your heart.
God, thank you so much that you are faithful and that your love has no end for us. You are willing to spill your blood to break your body so that you could have a relationship with us. You were compelled by love and you still are today. You love each and every person in this room and your desire is to be with them and to have a relationship with them. And God, we're reminded as we come to the communion table that uh, our sin had a cost. And so I pray for just anyone who's walking in some sort of unrepentance or they have something that they just can't kick. God, would you, would you by the power of your spirit just meet them in that? Would they be so compelled um, by love from you to turn from that and to run into your relationship with you and to turn away from the behavior that they keep giving themselves over to? God, only you can help us do that. We can maybe muster it for a little while, but only you can actually create that longstanding change. God, if we have unforgiveness in this room, I pray that you would give us the wisdom on how to walk that with people that we love and care about, that we wouldn't try and manufacture forgiveness in some sort of guilt-ridden way where we just know we have to forgive people, but would we first deeply receive forgiveness from you and would we get lost in the awe and the magnitude of your grace towards us and would that then empower us and compel us to forgive others? And God, if we have places where we're unwilling to follow you, if we maybe lack some courage to have a conversation with somebody, if we have maybe fallen in love with our money or our comfort and we're unreluctant or we're just reluctant to, to give or to help in a place that we know that you've called us to be involved in, God, would you help us let go of the things of this world and cling to heaven? We need you, Jesus, and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for just a minute here, I would love to just uh, remember, we're going to quiet our minds and we're going to set our kind of attention. You're going to kind of think about things of heaven, think about Jesus. And I want to just kind of have us for maybe three minutes here, 180 seconds, just see and, and turn, tune our ears towards Jesus and see if there's anything that by his spirit, he wants to whisper to us. All right. And listen, maybe you're not this charismatic and that's okay. I believe that God wants to speak to you. I believe he does. And I believe once you hear his voice one time, it's like this, it's addicting. And you just go like, I, I just need more of that. I want to hear more. I want to, I want to know more, God. I want to know more of your character, more of your heart. So, okay, not enough of me talking. Let's do it now. We just would say, God, I just ask that in this moment that you would speak to us. And maybe a spontaneous thought would flood our mind. A picture would come into our mind. And would we just hear something from heaven?
was that? Anyone else just feel like the bass was trying to speak to them for a second? I was like, yes, I, I hear you, Pat. <laughs> I know it's not you guys' fault. I know it's just crazy. Um, okay, be honest though, be real for a minute. Anyone feel like any feel anyone feel like anything? Just raise your hand if you feel like you maybe got a word, an impression, a scripture. Oh, come on, raise your hands. Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Like we're a weird people. We're a peculiar people. It's cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think parents, this is an awesome moment for you on the drive home. Where you maybe get to just have some follow-up conversation, maybe get to share something. Um, this is new for you. If you just want to practice this some more, I, I would want to encourage you. You have 180 seconds in your day, every single day. You have more time than that, honestly, right? Uh, my, my ask would be that as a church, could we just be intentional about wanting to try and do something like this every single day? every single day. I don't know if that takes a reminder on your phone for you to write yourself a note on your bathroom mirror, uh, put it on your fridge or something like that. Wherever you need to see it, just like I think we should do something like this every single day. And if you want to come, we're going to be doing worship and prayer on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesday and Thursday this week, we're going to meet from noon to one. Noon to one in this room. Again, if, if you want to pray on your own, so be it. I, there could be one other person in this room besides me, and I will be praying my face off. I, I don't really care who comes. But if you want a space, if you need a space where you can kind of come and get out of the office for a little bit, get away from the kids for a little bit, distraction-free for a moment, and you can just set your mind on the Lord, come. We're going to be here from noon to one, Tuesday, Thursday. Otherwise, last couple of reminders I have for you, just all in Sunday. It's coming up. If you have anything that you want to get registered for or sign up for for that, make sure you get signed up. Um, and then we have groups launching. And so if you miss that or you miss baptisms, whatever, just, just come talk to us. We'd love to get you set up for something like that. Cool? Cool. Hey, can we stand? I'll pray us out. Lord, thanks for a moment just to listen for you. I, I pray even if we didn't hear anything in this moment, I pray that we wouldn't grow... Um, wouldn't grow cold to the idea that you can speak with us. And that really when you, when you speak, everything changes. We see it all over scripture. I just ask God that there would be little moments where, where there's these convergences of heaven and earth for our church this next week, where we just actually hear what you have to say to us. And we actually have our mind and our attention set towards you and you speak. God, I pray that we would be a church that just keeps asking, just keep seeking, just keep knocking. We don't get weary in in hearing nothing, but we just keep pressing in because you desire to speak to us. You desire to be with us, God. And we love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, hey, God bless you. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.